Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Glad you're with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon, and joining us this time out, from LexisNexis Risk Solutions, Senior Data Scientist and Researcher, Gabe Hinton. Hi, Gabe. Hi, thanks for having me. Gabe, great having you. Thank you. Also joining us is Dick Mudge, Consultant and President of Compass Transportation and Technology. Great to see you, Dick. Hi, Fred and Alan. Yeah, always great. Well, Gabe, you are out with a new analysis of the relationship between Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, or ADAS, and U.S. auto insurance claims. Tell us more about what you looked at and what some of the headlines are in the findings. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we looked at a sample of eight and a half million VINs where we were able to determine definitively whether those vehicles did or did not have features within our subset list of ADAS features of interest and built a model with them exploring uh, insurance loss data with respect to those VINs. The idea being ultimately to, in a general sense, compare cars that do and don't have ADAS, but also at a much more detailed level, looking at how different feature combinations perform together and building a predictive model to help insurers use equipment information about the vehicles that they're insuring to segment their customers and ideally potentially offer discounts and things like that. So we had a similar white paper, sort of a prequel white paper, you could say some months ago that focused on the impact of ADAS on claim frequency. And that one was highly intuitive, um, just reinforcing, I think, what people expected in that the ultimate conclusion was that ADAS does offer improvement in claim frequency. Having ADAS on your vehicle does reduce claim frequency when compared with vehicles that don't have ADAS features. This new white paper focuses in depth on the impact of ADAS on claim severity. And so I would say some headlines that we see here are just that our findings were that severity was basically flat, it, it, it technically slightly decreased when you have an ADAS feature compared to vehicles that don't have ADAS features. Then the reason that that's an important headline is that that's not as intuitive as on the frequency side, because on the severity side, on the one hand, if the safety features are functioning as intended, we would expect that collisions likely have a lower force of impact, which could potentially mean lower repair costs because the damage is less severe. However, because this is new technology, often with uh, finicky uh, sensors and things, often in exposed places on the vehicle, then we may expect to have increased repair costs just because of the nature of that technology. So insurers, I think, are at a bit more of a loss here in terms of, of which of those two views is going to win out. Is the decreased force of impact going to win or is the repair cost uh, from new highly exposed features going to win out? And then potentially there's concern that could, if severity does end up being higher, is it so much higher with ADAS features that it balances any insurance benefit we may have seen on the frequency side? So insurers are, are just asking the basic question, once we look at frequency and severity, can we justify giving discounts? And the conclusion of our white paper is that yes, you can, because what we ultimately found was that if you look at the vehicles in a controlled way, where you're making an effort to compare like vehicles to like vehicles, where the primary variable on which you're differentiating the vehicles is just the presence or, or absence of an ADAS feature, as opposed to looking at like a variety of, mix, uh, of models or years, um, that severity came out slightly 
decreased with an 8S feature. It was 1% uh, for bodily injury and property damage and about 4% for collision. But even if we just summarize that as basically flat, we're already alleviating the concern that insurers have that was that going to cause a severity spike that would remove justification for offering uh, it discounts and insurance from having 8S features. And ultimately the conclusion of our paper, what we're arguing is that uh, severity does not outweigh a frequency benefit. You can still move forward with offering discounts because of having ADAS on a consumer's vehicle. For the audience, but before we move, let me have you define so, so we know for the audience what you're talking about. When you say severity, sure. are you talking about the cost to insurers or what are we talking about? Yeah, great question. So frequency, when I say frequency, what I'm referring to is the number of claims that are filed per an exposure. And when I say severity, what I'm referring to is given that a claim is filed, what is the loss amount in dollars of that claim? So uh, when we combine those two views, we get a metric called loss cost, uh, which is basically loss dollars per exposure period. And so the, to kind of reiterate with those definitions, basically insurers are already on board that fewer claims are going to be filed if ADAS features are had, but is the repair cost, the dollar amount per claim, is that going to go up or down? And what our paper is arguing is that based on our analysis in aggregate across a wide view, big sample, uh, we're seeing that there is a minimal change, if not a slight decrease in dollar amount per claim. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, in the data that, that I've looked at in the past, which has unfortunately been with transit vehicles and not with cars because the car data just wasn't available to us. But certainly, I think it's sort of the same thing. Uh, that And of course, the claim out of the insurance industry is with, with collision mitigation systems, in other words, seat belts, airbags, those kinds of things, that that don't affect uh, the the um, the uh, really severity. Well, I mean, don't affect the the frequency, uh, the severity as you've defined it, which is the amount of money you have to pay out, has been going up over time. Why? Because <coughs> replace airbags. You have to, you know, whatever and so on. The, we design vehicles that that now crush and go to the junkyard as opposed to the 55 Chevy that basically was rock solid, but it broke your head open or whatever when you hit it. But, you know, I'm being a little flippant here, but, uh, but, you know, those fundamental differences. What you're saying, let me make sure I understand, is what you're saying now is with these systems, one finds that even though you may have to replace radars, you know, and whatever, I've had three deer in my car that I never saw before I hit them. And guess what? All three of them hit the radar in the front. Okay. And so, of course, the radar, I mean, what would have been, you know, in a 55 Chevy, you know, a $25 charge is now $9,000. I mean, darn deer. Okay. So, you know, the, because, because of those repair costs. But you're saying when you look at the, dis, the whole distribution, you're looking, you take the area under that distribution, you say insurance companies are having to, less loss for those yes. claims, for those yes. number of claims when divided on a per claim basis is less loss on a per claim basis, plus there are fewer claims. So you yes. get, or at least somewhat the same on a per claim basis, but given there are fewer claims, there are less. Is that, yeah. and did I sort of make that summary correct? Or, um, yes, absolutely. The only two things I would add to it are, uh, first to clarify a bit about what, what I'm referring to in terms of the types of ADAS features we looked at. So we're, we're not necessarily looking at things like airbags or uh, ability of the vehicle to crunch. The, the crunch part is, is partially true. It comes up in, in some of the features we looked at. Yeah. Um, but, but we're looking more at um, things like forward collision warning or mitigation where the car may apply the brakes on the driver's behalf to avoid hitting the car in front of you if you're distracted or, or, or things like that. So things that aren't, aren't necessarily specifically with the intent of uh, protecting the, the the passenger, although they can be, but they're a little more focused. Uh, uh, the ma majority of features that, that we looked at are a little more focused on damage to the vehicle specifically. Um, 
So uh, we are looking at, uh, you know, a, a subset of type of safety features. And then the other thing I would emphasize um, in, in terms of just making sure the, the claim comes across accurately is that what's really important in the puzzle is comparing like vehicles to like vehicles, doing the analysis in a controlled way. Because if we just in aggregate in our sample compare vehicles that have ADAS features to vehicles that don't, we're likely to see an increase in severity with ADAS features. But that's because we've already introduced a lot of conflating factors because cars that have ADAS features are likely to be newer, have higher MSRPs, and just things that already are going to correlate with having a higher severity. So we make an effort to do the analysis in a way that accounts for that and controls so that uh, to whatever extent possible, we're only varying, you know, this, these two cars are very similar, except this one had the ADAS feature and this one didn't. And that's a really crucial piece um, uh, of the analysis in, in backing up the claim that we're making. Yeah, let, me, let me jump onto that because first of all, I'm very jealous of your database. Yeah. I would, I would, I, I can imagine a lot of things to do with that. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be a lot of fun. Uh, you had data from uh, 2014 to 2019. Is there any variable across a change across that? Are newer cars better than older cars? Are there is there any thing going on? Is ADAS getting any better or not? Or Yes, that's not that's not something we've explored in as much detail, but I do feel confident that we've explored it enough to say that 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 is true. The other thing that changes dramatically, uh, much more obviously, is just that the the rate of having like the, the proportion of vehicles that have these features uh, uh, equipped is just skyrocketing as we go forward um, in model years. Uh, so I, I just recently was looking at it was a slightly different sample, but it was like ballpark 2016 to 2019, I think. And there we were hovering at about, I believe, a little over 50% had um, uh, over, uh, excuse me, sorry, a little over 50% of the vehicles had at least one of what we've labeled our core 8S features equipped. Uh, but if we break it down by model year and just look at samples that only have 2020 or 21 vehicles, we easily break 70%, if not higher. Uh, so that's that's also a major change that, that these features are rapidly being adapted uh, onto, or uh, adopted, I guess I should say, um, onto vehicles also. Is there any sense that, that the 8S is getting better or is it just that there's more of it? I think both are true. I, th I think both are true. I, I do think we can back up with data that, that we do see some uh, improvements in the actual ADAS features over time as the technology improves. We, we certainly have been trying to promote the OEMs to improve their ADAS feature. Darn it. Why, why does a car really hit anything in front of it? I mean, mm. maybe a deer that jumps out of nowhere. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I never saw these three that, that I hit. And, and, and so I, I can't imagine, you know, physics can't help because they're there. But in situations in which physics can help, you know, being a, a little bit more conservative in terms of the application, in other words, applying the brakes earlier as opposed to 1.6 seconds to time to collision and then having all hell break loose in the car when you apply it, which is, you know, some of the design features of some of these things uh, I think would have would help. Let me try to ask you about one other potential bias in this. Is 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 there is there a sample bias associated by the the driver? In other words, it, it, have you do you have any indication that that safe drivers tend to purchase uh, uh, collision avoidance systems and and uh, unsafe or let's say people that misbehave driving everybody's a safe driver as long as they behave i claim you know it's misbehavior the the tendency to misbehavior say the hell with it i'm not paying for that crap whatever i mean i don't know if you can even you know begin to deal with that because you may not have the data that allows you but do you have any sense for that no, I'm actually glad you asked that because just last week uh, I was part of a talk uh, with with a colleague of mine um, on a 
highly related topic to what you're describing, where we were sort of exploring how ADAS interacts with telematics data. And the point we were making there was that ADAS data is a highly vehicle-centric view, while telematics data is a highly uh, driver-focused view. So I don't have those graphs with me right now to talk about the data specifically, but just to do my best to summarize it, one of the things that we did was um, we have a telematics score developed where we're looking at variables of telematics, you know, maybe things like uh, hard breaking events and, and things like that to, to try and give drivers some kind of telematics-based score about the, the quality of their driving behavior. And then we grouped that score in a rank ordered way into deciles. And then we explored, okay, how does the impact of ADAS look across these deciles of telematics score? So it's an effort to sort of cluster drivers into uh, quality of driving behavior and then looking at now, how does ADAS interact? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the first point I would bring up is that that's, it's actually, when I was mentioning earlier, I was looking at like a 2016 through 2019 sample that had a little over 50% equipment rate. That's actually the sample that I was referring to. So it was, it was fresh on my mind. Um, across those score buckets, across those deciles of the telematics score, we see a little over a 50% equipment rate of uh, of at least one ADAS feature, and it's 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 not a trend, and it's not it's not even monotonic. It just seems like you know minor random variability. The one exception I would add to that is that the very lowest ten percent, the lowest decile, the equipment rate of ADAS does drop a bit, about to about five or six percent, if I remember correctly. So it's it's enough that it catches your eye, but it. it it's not a complete fall off the hill either. But other than that lowest 10%, it stays very consistent. While we may have expected to otherwise see, you know, an increase in ADAS equipment rate as the driving behavior got better, if what you were asking about were true, that that, that drivers are sort of self-selecting for ADAS features. So we don't believe that to be the case. We also want to step further and then we're looking at just a, a relativity of if you if if we compare the cars that have ADAS features that to those, those that don't have ADAS features um, within each of those telematics buckets, then what do we see? And in each case, the vehicles that had ADAS were performing better with respect to liability frequency, by which I mean uh, aggregating uh, bodily injury coverage and property damage coverage. Uh, that in each of those deciles, there was an improvement when you added ADAS. The, the one exception there is the top 10% bucket where there was still technically an improvement, but it, it was very, very slight. But other than that, across the other nine deciles, notable improvement with ADAS. So it doesn't seem to be the case from the data that we've looked at that drivers are self-selecting based on good or bad driving behavior that they, that they already have. I'm really jealous of the data you have because <laughs> if, you know, if you have data on an entity in which you have both vehicle data and driver data combined, then you can do exactly what you what you what you've been doing is you can you know look at correlations, biases you know um, uh, associated within the, within those distributions and 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 basically look at really what the combinatorial or the con convolving of those two distributions looks like and and my goodness that's uh, you know that's really where you where we we all need to be to understand that I think Dick and I and and Fred we've been we've been arguing I guess since the beginning that that the real value of all this automation and driving is really the the driver assistance value uh, to basically reduce the loss and reduce the if you don't have a crash I mean. You don't, you don't have an ambulance, you don't have an ambulance chaser, you don't have a, a, a body shop, you don't have, I mean, you, I, the, the loss is zero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and the insurer, and not, if this really does this and, and takes you from, 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 to my, that's a fundamental value to the insurance industry. Now, if, if that Absolutely. even works better for people that misbehave than people that behave, people that behave never crash. Okay, so all this stuff is useless to them. You know, you know, in an argument, if you if you're if you're a really safe driver, why have it in some sense? Now, of course, they probably all do. 
But on the other hand, those that sort of, you know, always testing the edge of the cage of the speed limit or whatever, the, the D going through, you know, not being the last, uh, the first person to be in line at a traffic light going through the, the red. I mean, for those folks, this stuff really helps because when they misbehave, it, it, it bails them out, I guess. Dick, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I think Alan has a steady stream of PhD students who would probably be your best friends. <laughs> for this i know um, yeah i mean I, if you I, can share the data man we'd love to get it okay yeah, I, I, I don't I, i've already checked that box i don't see any value in getting more than one phd but otherwise i would love to work with it um, <laughs> I, I, I assume you're the people who pay you for this are the insurance companies what is their reaction to this ben have, have any of them said we're going to use this to change how we price or how we evaluate or um yeah, you don't, you don't, 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 don't mention any names, but be curious to know what, what you know, they're, 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 they're the people that really count in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right that we're hoping that this, you know, makes an impact on the insurance industry and keeps pushing them to implement ADAS into their rating plans at a deeper and deeper level. Um, so I guess I would start answering your question by talking a bit about where our view of where the insurance industry is currently based on conversations that we're having and we see some variety. So we see some insurers that may just kind of ask the consumer vaguely about, you know, do you have an ADAS feature or perhaps they specify a feature? Do you have a blind spot warning on your vehicle or something like that? And then just based on the consumer's answer may tack on, you know, some kind of slight discount. Um, and I wouldn't argue that that's useless, but but it, it certainly is perhaps limiting you know, leaving some potential benefit on the table. Um, the some insurers, you know, have maybe identified just one or two features that they that they felt were you know, easy enough to get good data on on whether or not it's on the vehicle that they're insuring, and you know, or insuring based on that. Uh, the model that we built, it, it, you know, the white paper of course elaborates, but the model that we built includes eleven features that we sort of describe to insurers in our conversations with them as the core ADAS features. So we have, our, our data has more than 60 was our starting point. And we have had insurers who seem to have, have, have said that they have found some benefit from features outside of our core 11. But generally in our own internal analyses, we just see a pattern where there's, that we can kind of narrow it down to about 11 that seem to most consistently appear as notable in our analyses and also have a good balance in of uh, just intuition. Cause of, of course that can be important with, you know, ratings uh, or insurance rating uh, regulation and things like that too. You know, there needs to be an intuitive element where if I tell you this feature has a positive impact on insurance, you know, that, if that leaves you scratching your head too much, you know, it, regulators aren't, aren't going to be on board with that with good reason. So a, a good balance of these are popping up significant a lot and they're good intuition. And I, I guess I'll list those now, which are uh, forward collision, warning and mitigation varieties, rear collision, warning and mitigation varieties, lane departure, warning and mitigation varieties, blind spot, warning and mitigation varieties, adaptive headlights, adaptive cruise control, and driver monitoring, which people may also know as uh, like driver attention alert. So those are what we label as the core ADAS features in our, in our conversations with insurers. And so if, if, they're, if they want our guidance on where to start, that's usually the nudge we give them in the right direction. And so we do have data products available um, that to help insurers know what features are on their vehicles, because that is a difficult process, um, you know, having that, that detail of data. So we do have products for that for insurers. And um, those, those conversations are at different points. At some, you know, some, some are implementing, some are looking at just still retros on their book of business where, where we sort of guide them about, you know, give us a sample of your book that looks kind of like this and we'll append variables and, and show you what it looks like on, on your customers and then have conversations there. Um, and to be honest, I have forgotten your original question. I don't know if I answered no, it. <laughs> I, 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 guess what, I guess one question, are the insurance companies paying you more money now? <laughs> I see all the data. <laughs> uh, 
uh, it, it is a uh, gosh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> just say um, we're doing just fine. Thank you. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing fine. We're doing can, fine. Can, yeah. can you tell from one other question? Can you tell from this which ADAS uh, characteristics are most cost effective? What's the benefit cost ratio? But which one? Which ones perform the best? Have the most impact. Yeah, that the reason that that question is really complicated is because, especially on newer vehicles, it gets more and more rare that if a car has one ADAS feature, that it only has that ADAS feature. So it we really quickly need a multivariate view, or maybe I maybe I could word that alternatively as a view that accounts for interaction effects. Because if we're just looking at distinct univariate effects in our model, then it, the, the coefficients, not to get too mathy, but the, the coefficients get a little bit toned down because we have to, the model has to account for cases where that's the only ADAS feature on a vehicle and for cases where it's one of seven ADAS features on a vehicle. And for example, if, if you have six ADAS features and you're adding a seventh on a particular VIN, that impact isn't going to be quite as, that improvement isn't going to be quite as substantial as if you're comparing a car that has no ADAS and then adding one ADAS feature to it. So um, it, it's it's a difficult question to answer because the the we used a multivariate model specifically for that very reason, that it's a difficult question to answer because of those interaction effects and because of the rarity of actually having a vehicle that truly only has one ADAS feature on it. So we use a, a decision tree that that can account for those interaction effects to understand not just what a feature does by itself, but also what it does in tandem with with other features that it's often grouped with. You're, you're basically you know, you know, Elon Musk is, wants to get into the insurance business. Has he called you guys up? <laughs> no, no, he he hasn't called us up. Um, and we do have Teslas in our sample, but but naturally them being not not that much of the market yet they don't make up a very substantial portion of the sample that we've looked at um and and that the, the of interesting course thing is that the, he's only giving his very best newest technology if we call it that the the, the newest full self-driving to the very 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 best drivers the top i don't know you have to score 99 or 100 for him to let you have it even though you've paid for it so <laughs> Any thoughts about that? My thought on that is just that it creates a, the nature of Tesla being so much more autonomous than even the level of ADAS features that we're finding in other makes almost creates a whole different issue. So I, I long-term, I think that once those get a little more uh, uh, prevalent in the market, that may even constitute an entire analysis to itself just because some of the Tesla's features are so much like doing so much more than even just like what I described as forward collision mitigation you know so I, I almost suspect that ultimately that may end up being an entirely different beast that needs an entirely new analysis. And if you're giving it to only those few drivers who, who have uh, applied for it more or less and, and have earned it then the numbers are going to look pretty good for you, I would think. That that for, for absolutely Tesla does introduce forward. an issue for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me ask you one more question. Uh, uh, do you actually believe this stuff? That is, have you? Have you is this data? Did you have you changed what kind of cars you buy based on this? <laughs> it's been a while since I personally have made a new. Uh, vehicle purchase. I uh, I'm currently driving an 09, um, which is you know, and and generally our ADAS views we're, we're often isolating 2014 and newer. Um, it it has impacted the type of vehicles that I consider in the future. Um, in, in terms of you know, I I certainly I, I don't know that I want to get too specific about this on air, but um, just because I'm mixing in my own personal preference with the data but it certainly has given me insight into like oh that does seem um like something that would give me peace of mind 
um, you know, like, like one, one, I, one I feel comfortable specifying just because I think it's obvious is that um, the uh, Ford, Ford collision mitigation, my current car, my 09 doesn't have anything even resembling that. I, I do think that when considering purchasing a vehicle in, in the future, just speaking as me personally, not on behalf of LexisNexis, but just me as a personal individual, I, um, I, I do think I have a, a more specific interest than I might have otherwise in having forward collision mitigation, because I think doing these analyses has given me some peace of mind about um, the impact that it can actually have. If, if I may offer a suggestion in case you didn't look, look at it, but I, I think that the person, and again, these are personal feelings, that, um, that the automated um, um, uh, collision avoidance systems, the ones that are on all the time that you don't turn off, that turn on when you turn the key are substantially different than the ones that somebody can turn off and, that, or, and even the ones that are just warnings. Okay, uh, and and especially the warnings can be turned off because I think some I have no data to support it, but I'll say some behavioral aspects is you get a couple beeps and you turn the damn thing off. Okay, and somehow you get aggravated, or some people get aggravated, uh, which to me seems like you know we should have regulations to do this, but since none of us want to be told what the hell to do. That goes vaccination too. Uh, no, I mean you know you, you almost can't do that. But but the the systems that are on, and I think also the the backup aspects. You know, originally you know there was just a a, 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 a camera, but you had to. I mean, if you weren't going to look in the mirror, you got to look at the at the image. No, but finally, some folks decided to put automated. Uh, backup stopping systems. Why? Because you're just going very slow anyway. And even if it breaks, it's not a big thing. And you're not on the on the New Jersey Turnpike going backwards at 90 miles an hour. Um, but in terms of then, you know, not running over kids, which is the real fear of any of those things. I mean, it seems as if those guys are uh, no-brainers. Okay, they might cost something. And it's probably to me, if, if you if you have the opportunity to do the analysis, you're, you're probably able to show that the that the cost benefit on that probably suggests that the insurance company should whenever I walk into a into a showroom, my insurer should be there. Hey, I'll pick that up for you. You, you pay you pay <laughs> you pay your 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 premium and we'll buy that for you. Why? Because because its cost is less than the expected liability savings associated with having the darn thing on there. I think some of these things are finally finding their way to be that. And in fact, as you suggest, in some cars, they're not standard equipment. Holy hell, uh, you know, Mercedes finally, you know, took them until 20, at least 2021, if not 2022, to make the 997 package you know, standard in the S class. Holy hell! Why, did, why wasn't that standard? You know, five years ago, in a sense. Uh, you know, when you're paying that much for a car. But you know, when there is an incremental cost, I think we've argued, Dick and I have argued, Fred and I have argued that in fact, you know, one should be able to determine what the expected liability savings is of each one of these or each bundles of these things, and in fact. I know it's against um, uh, um, the uh, the regulatory aspects of insurance companies as to what they can discount, what what they can give if you then if you then purchase insurance. Why? Because of course, insurance companies have to maintain money to be able to pay when you have a crash and things like that for very good reasons. But but my goodness, here. You know, the, the insurance agent also almost should be in the showroom with the purchaser of a vehicle, helping that that person not only save their lives, but also, you know, um, make it make it affordable. And especially if you're buying a car for a 16 or 17 year old, my goodness, you know, what's the um, I guess, I don't know, if you have 16 or 17-year-olds in your sample, if you have their age, man, love to see what, oh, man, would I love to have your data. <sighs> Go all over that sucker. But, yeah, I mean, there within that, within that cohort group, probably this stuff makes, it, it's got to make an enormous difference, maybe. Ooh. At least that's a spec, my speculation on this. Dick? 
I guess one, I was going to ask you, uh, one, one potential bias that occurs to me, if some of the ADAS really works, meaning it prevents accidents, they won't appear in your data. You're only looking at data places where there have been crashes. It's oh, no, I, I thought you said you had all VINs. You, you had a bunch of VINs and VINs in which there were no crashes too, right? No or no? We do. We do. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Dick, I, what, I think. But you know, I, I thought you were analyzing places where there have been, been crashes and then seeing the effect of ADAS either uh, as being having a, an effect or not. But there may be places where a car just, you know, uh, had, had many fewer accidents and that's missing data. We do actually have insurance policy information where uh, and because we know the exposure period, we are including vehicles both that did and did not have crashes um, uh, in the sample. I, where, where I think maybe I, I may have been a little confusing is that what you're saying is true for the severity piece in, in the sense that we're talking about the dollar loss given that a claim occurred. Um, but in the frequency portion, we're talking about the number of claims in an exposure period um, in, which includes vehicles that had zero claims during their exposure period. Uh, so we do have both of those perspectives covered. We'll be back with more, but first uh, on that topic too. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. You'll find it under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. You may know that ETFs can be a good way to spread risk with investments, maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guests, Gabe Hinton from LexisNexis Risk Solutions and Dick Mudge from Compass Transportation. Gabe, I guess this goes back to something Alan was just talking about and, and Dick as well. What the analysis uh, that you've done shows is that ADAS features really can lower what insurance companies pay out, if I'm reading this correctly. Uh, it sounds like then, as a customer, I want, I want a cheaper premium. So tell us uh, what, what you're seeing. And Dick asked this before. Is the response from the insurance companies... Uh, that we're going to provide lower rates for people who own these vehicles? Yes. And, and, and some companies are already introducing that in preliminary ways. I, co companies are in, in very varied stages of, of, of implementing ADAS into their rating plans. And some are interested in a high specificity of data so they can get really detailed in, in how much granularity, how much segmentation they can do within their customer base uh, to offer a variety of discounts, while others are just sort of dipping their toes in the water and just kind of asking the consumer to answer on their own, do you have such and such ADAS feature, and then offering a, a, a nominal discount from there. Um, one, la one thing I should add, I'm going to forget the specific citation, unfortunately, but I believe it's in the white paper, that um, there was a survey that, that someone put out about uh, asking consumers, what are the reasons for your own personal interest, interest in ADAS features? And of course, the highest one was just their own personal safety. But the very second reason that they have an interest in ADAS, according to the survey, is because of potential insurance discounts. So I, our impression from speaking with insurers is that generally insurers are, are, are pretty aware that this is a direction that consumers are aware, it, believe it makes sense to go. Uh, and, and so we're really just trying to back up, confirm that, yes, those of you who are just dipping your toes in the water, you can keep going. It's safe. We have data that can help you do that in, in a smart way, you know, in a productive way that, that benefits everyone. And they should be promoting it too, right, to their customers. Yeah, absolutely. I, we already see it, it that I, to that point. It's it's kind of interesting to me how much I do think we see a lot of commercials these days about telematics data 
where, you know, whether it's a smartphone app or some kind of attachment to the car where the insurer is saying, hey, we're offering you this, where you can potentially get discounts if you connect that data to us. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that with ADAS yet. And, and that does kind of surprise me that, that I, I personally, at least, have not just, just out in the world looking at commercials and, and marketing and such. Yeah, I agree with you that I haven't, I haven't seen that a lot yet. A lot of like, hey, if you've got safety features, come to us because we're prepared you know, to, to give you discounts. Um, so yeah, I, I agreed that I, I believe that there's more room to go that direction. Well, yeah, you know, again, Dick and I and Fred have been sort of looking at the uh, insurance implications of this technology for some time, both in the transit industry, uh, the car industry, and also the trucking industry. And may ask Mm -hmm. you a question about the trucking industry in in a minute, Uh, you know, but, but out of this, it seems, and if you have the data, it seems that you might be well positioned to basically become the good housekeeping seal of approval, if I may call it that, and not violating any, you know, who knows what and saying it, but, you know, I'm an academic, so I say anything, whatever, people already know that, but, but, but really being out there and, and, and in a sense, if, if one uh, manufacturer or a group of manufacturers are actually implementing this ADAS stuff better than others, that in fact, you know, you putting out data that basically of the both frequency and the 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 severity piece uh, in there, and just putting it out as data, all of a sudden you, you you know you're you're the consumer report again, you know, violating whatever <laughs> trademarks and so on. But you you can become that, and that's to me would be extremely valuable. Uh, to 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 the consumer to to trying to understand that you know uh, because some of these are better than others and and we we've known from IIHS had been friends of ours for some time and shared us some of their videos of their testing of some of these things and and uh, NCAP in 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 Europe the same thing you know. Some manufacturers do a credible job. I'll mention Subaru. Subaru's, you know, in 12 and 24 mile an hour, you know, uh, tests, they don't hit anything. Other other people reduce the speed by two miles an hour. So instead of mm-hmm. crashing at 12, you crash at 10. Cut it out. You can't even stop, you know, reduce 12 miles an hour. <laughs> they, they should be taking the task for this. In, in other words, get the darn OEMs to compete on this, to make it really good, because until they have an incentive and until the customers are going one way as opposed to another way, you know, what do they care? They can just, you know, put any, not that they would ever do that, but but I think you're in a great position to to do that kind of thing and be an enormous service to the to, to consumers and there are a lot of new car buyer consumer and even used cars, you know, same deal with used cars. Alan, uh, moving along a little bit here, uh, a big week for some related news, the signing of the infrastructure bill. And today with the president and GM CEO, Mary Barra on hand, the official opening of what is called factory zero, which will produce a variety of all electric vehicles and the cruise origin autonomous vehicle eventually this is all at what was once called the detroit hamtramck assembly plant and i spoke with assistant plant director kathy steelgrave and she called this day really special the the people here at this plant that thought that their plant was going to close they had to go to other GM sites to just work temporarily. And now we were able to call them back. Many of those people are legacy GM employees. So their parents or grandparents also worked for General Motors. Myself, my my dad and my grandfather both worked for General Motors. Um, So when you grow up in a manufacturing space, in a manufacturing family, in a manufacturing town, there's things that you're used to. And um, this is, is taking what we're used to and making it so much better with doing things that we knew we should have done all the time. We, we know we should have a world with um, zero crashes if we can help support that, a world with zero emissions and a world with zero congestion, which is really what our vehicles are doing. They're supporting that. So she mentioned all the, all the things that we've been talking about here. 
a world with zero crashes <laughs> and a world with zero emissions and a world with when we ride chair and, and and so on zero congestion absolutely we 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 understand all that uh, but i think uh you know the other thing the, the other person we need on this is we need the uh, those that generate the the electrons and we're going to need a whole heck of a lot of electrons and so uh, we need uh, public um, uh, service gas and electric to be on here and Atlantic City Electric and all the other electric producers because, I, you know, somebody better start worrying about where in the heck all this electricity is going on. You know, I tell my class, my mother always taught me to turn off the light and never thought of, uh, you know, uh, heating up uh, my room more with an electric heater, you know, put on another sweater. And all of a sudden now we're going to, you know, move around with electricity. Uh, somebody better create some more electrons. Time to get busy. Another headline, uh, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg spoke with Yahoo Finance Live and said, we've got to make sure these technologies as they roll out are safe. And we have to have clear communications with drivers that no matter how sophisticated or smart your car is, any car you are acquiring on a market today in the U.S., requires that you are behind the wheel and paying attention. And I guess you'd say, here, here. <laughs> here, here. Any car that we're going to buy, any car that's sold to a consumer, absolutely. I mean, we're just way too irresponsible as consumers to be able, you know, I just send my car down to, down to Dick and say, hey, Dick, you know, you can use it. And I, I just let her go. I mean, yeah. cut it out. I mean, that, that's, that's like, that's like where, where did SAE ever come up with that? Now, with respect to now creating vehicles that provide uh, equitable, affordable mobility, high quality mobility to people who've been left behind by the current automobile, that's a different story. And that's done by a, a responsible entity that's now managing a fleet that provides mobility. And, uh, you know, if, if, um, if Washington doesn't get on board with that, we're going to do it here in New Jersey. I think it's interesting to hear the secretary have a comment about autonomous vehicles because the infrastructure bill does not even mention autonomous vehicles any place. Right. It's like they don't exist. Right. Uh, you know, and so there is a, there is a, that those of us that have been, you know, calling for the creation of, of uh, driverless uh, vehicles, in fact, have said um, we don't need any infrastructure. Just give us some paint and a smooth surface. And that's what we need as humans to be able to drive well. We don't want anything more. And I think that still stands. Well, you mentioned trucking a little bit ago and maybe getting uh, Gabe to comment on it. But story today, Gattuck and Walmart announced that uh, Gattuck is operating daily without a safety driver behind the wheel on its delivery route for Walmart in Bentonville, Arkansas, moving customer orders between a Walmart dark store and a neighborhood market in its fleet of multi-temperature autonomous box trucks. Gattaca, by the way, is going to be joining us for a podcast in the, in the near future. We're looking forward to that. But your thoughts about this, Alan, and maybe we'll uh, Absolutely. Well, I, 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 you know which question I'm going to ask? I'm going to ask, uh, okay, there's no, nobody behind the wheel. Is there an attendant on board? I think they're saying no. Well, yeah. I, I don't think they the, on this on they, this specific I, I, route. I, I, I know what oh, they you mean. Said. A safety driver I, is I, different. I, I from know how other. to parse the English. I know <laughs> how to go to the to the dictionary and get definitions. Uh, but they did not say they don't have an attendant on board. And uh, and um, you know um, how closely are they really watching this? Each of these things remotely. I, more power to them. Love it if it's if it's true. Absolutely, kudos all the way around. If it's true, yeah. So yeah I've seen video of these guys talking with uh, Walmart. They clearly, they may not have said it quite the way you'd like them to say it, Alan. They certainly imply very strongly there's nobody else in the, in the vehicle. I, I agree. I agree. But my goodness, I've seen so many of these things that have implied <laughs> it so much and so on. And guess what? You know, there's somebody in the back seat with a with a. Now, I don't even want to go there, okay? And the Photoshop, uh, whatever is it around there, and there it's on a highway that's not been opened. I mean, you know, um, 
Um, the, the, well, their CEO I, will I, be I, joining I'm, us. I, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I, you know. Um, well, well, at least I don't think there are hills in Arkansas for them to coast the, the, uh, the, uh, the truck down the hill. Uh, yeah, right. And there, there's Nicola, too. So, I mean, we, we look, most unfortunately, some people have, um, have, have stretched the, the, the use of the English language and so on to try to basically, I guess, get some investments in their companies. Uh, but my goodness, uh, if they are out there, uh, I'll applaud them. More power to them. We know that Waymo is doing it without without anybody in the vehicle in Chandler under normal conditions. As, I mean, Chandler, Arizona doesn't become very abnormal, but, you know, but, but that's fine. I mean, that's still normal conditions. Um, uh, and, um, hey, come to Trenton, baby. We, we'll yeah. use it. <laughs> Alan, you, you had a question about trucking that you wanted to get. Yeah, I, I, have, you, have you gotten any data from trucking? I've, uh, you know, some of my students in the past have gotten some uh, gotten some data from from trucking companies uh, the, the, sort of the tough thing with trucking companies is a lot of them are self-insured at least they're self-insured at least for most of it they have some sort of whatever for the tail of the distribution and 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 get some reinsurance out, out on the tail but but much of it is self-insured and i like to claim it's the ceo knows because he or she it comes out of their pocket when a, in, in each one of these liability claims that comes on and sort of the, the numbers that we've sort of kind of uh, dug around here in terms of liability claims per class eight or is in the order of you know twenty thousand bucks a year type of thing as an average again you know those are numbers that we've looked at and, and had data on have you had a chance to look at any trucking and and what's the situation in trucking companies with respect to ADAS? Yeah, that's a great question, but unfortunately, no, we haven't really gone that direction much. Our, our data is really focused on personal vehicles still. I, as a company in general, we have involvement in the uh, in the commercial insurance space, but uh, but we haven't really done much uh, with ADAS for commercial specifically at this point. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you know, one really wonders to the extent that there's anybody really selling much of that yet in, in that space. Uh, you know, you sort of get some you know, some press releases here and there and somebody's trying to whatever and so on and so forth. And I've even commented that uh, that with, uh, of course, I've commented that with Tesla coming out with a class eight, I can't imagine Tesla's going to put a class eight out on the, out on the roadways without autopilot or, and, and maybe full self-driving. I mean, why not? I mean, they've got the stack. They can, they can, they can make it work maybe just as well in a, in a truck as they can with, with, with their cars or just as unwell depending on which, which direction you're looking at this thing. But I would suspect they'll, they'll be out there and, and force on that. I mean, that, you know, this is the way um, Elon sold uh, electric vehicles and saying, hey, you both get the EV and all this automation that, in fact, he, of course, he claims exactly the kinds of things you've claimed with these things. The frequency goes down, and the severity goes down. Unfortunately, he hasn't given you or me the data that we could right. actually do an independent analysis. I'd love to do it, okay? Or I'd love to give if I got it, I'd like to give you give it to you to do it, and we could do it together. But you know, love to do that. It's it's a shame that he doesn't. Okay, because yeah. I suspect that that stuff it, it is good. It, you know, you can't misbehave with it. You still have to pay attention. I mean, come on, not perfect. But boy, I suspect that stuff is good. I don't know. Maybe. Let me ask a very general policy type question. If our goal is to reduce crashes, um, knowing the data that you with the data that you have, what policies should government think about, industry think about? Are there certain ADAS devices that should be encouraged? Are there certain things the insurance companies should do with changing prices to get people to buy more of certain vehicles? Is there? Um, I, I don't expect you to come up with a with a with a single bullet here. Yeah. But are, are there are, are there is there a family of things that we should be thinking about? I do think that. I don't know about evaluating the appropriateness of the speed at which they're doing it, but I have seen some of government policy 
uh, enforcing, like, I, if I remember correctly, I think you, you guys may remember this off the top of your heads better than me, but I, I believe forward collision on currently on new vehicles is now legally mandated. Is that correct? Or is it just soon? I believe I I, I, no, I there was an agreement with the OEMs to do it. I think the OEMs volunteered to do it by yes. 2021 or 2022. They had a big meeting three or four oh, years to avoid. ago to do that. Gotcha. And gotcha. the last thing that was mandated by NHTSA, again, I correct somebody correct us if we're wrong, was the uh, electronic stability control uh, of all, all, man, all vehicles. And again, electronic stability keeps me from losing my rear end because I'm going around a turn too fast. I mean, and it's on all the time. And mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, I'm, it may be turn offable. Maybe there's a wire that I can cut someplace, but <laughs> I have to be a real, you know. Um, there, there, is a, there is something, I believe, in the infrastructure bill to prevent people from being able to drive after they've had too much to drink. Uh, impairment, yeah. But, uh, you know, nobody thinks that that's ever going to really, I mean, <sighs> yeah, and we can't, this is America. Nobody wants, I mean, telling people what to do is just, it's just like when they when they put an interlock. If, if you didn't have your seatbelt fastened, your car wouldn't turn on. That lasted about two seconds. People went nuts, and they they you know went backed off on it. So again, I think you know you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. And in this in this I, case, uh, maybe I you think can it make them drink. You know what you've done is is I think bring out some very salient data on the fact that these things are good for individuals and some folks should, I think at least part of the marketplace will respond to that. And I think part of the OEM space will respond to that and say, my goodness, we have an opportunity to get more customers if we do this better. Not that they're not trying. I'm not suggesting, please, I'm not suggesting that. Of course, I'm not suggesting that. But, but you know, th these are all good this is all good. Uh, do you work with IIHS or, or how, how do you, you know, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety or have you gotten involved with those guys and gals there? Me personally, no. I, I don't want to say for sure that company-wide we don't because I think it's possible that there are people in our company who are having conversations with them, but I personally don't. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not really involved in the conversation. Well, they're, we do appreciate group, all of your insights. Our, you know, we've had... We had them on here. They're a good group yeah, for whatever that means. Um, you've mentioned two white papers you guys have done. I think they're both very good. I mean, they're, they're, yep. they, they have data in them. They're easy to read. Uh, they're a nice job. What do you do next? What's your, what's your next mm. big thing you guys are working on? <laughs> good question. I, so I, I think our next step is, you know, some of your questions were aimed at like how, how our insurer is responding. And so I think a lot of our next work is, is just that having those conversations with insurers now that hopefully are initiated by the white paper about, okay, you know, giving them some advice based on our, on our analyses about how they can respond, how they options for considering beginning implementation and what that can look like uh, to hopefully get this more widely adopted in the industry in a, in a wider way. I think that's the immediate next step. I mean, can you imagine if the if flow and the get-go started promoting you know, uh, their, their customer set to buy vehicles that will keep them alive and keep them from, uh, help keep them from crashing and help. I mean, uh, can you imagine what that would, I mean, I can, I can all write of a that sudden that, that, that motivates <laughs> the whole field. I mean, that motivates everybody and, 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 and it should help them get more customers. I mean, I, and if you can empower them with with data that yeah. that allows that you know it seems to me that the hell that's a great marketing opportunity for for flow in the get go. It is. Well, let me mention one other thing. Uh, Al and I have done a couple of reports for the Society of Actuaries, which you know, we we'd love to be able to have maybe more detailed access to some of your data. I think the actuaries would love to have it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, because they're the ones responsible for trying to figure out how in the heck to price all that, what, what the expected line. I mean, the beauty of, of, of insurance is you take money in up front and you hold it until you have to pay it out. So therefore, the whole business is, is being able to forecast what the expected liability is going to be in the future. Non-trivial thing to do.
non-trivial thing to do. Uh, but boy, the, the better you're able to doing that, guess what? The better you're able to price, the better you're able to book, build your book of business, the better you're able to, to have a good insurance company that then when you do crash has the money to you know take care of you as opposed to gone bankrupt because they didn't know what the heck they were doing. Not that any of them do. Gabe, we want to thank you for taking yes, the time we, with us and for really all of your insights and the work here. Terrific. And you too, Dick. Yeah, thanks appreciate. for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and we really appreciate your work. We think it's it's, it's fine work. Uh, yeah, and it, uh, this is not easy to do simply because, uh, you know, the, the data, you know, it's, there are privacy issues all over the place on this stuff and then so on. And it's just not available out there in the public domain. Washington doesn't have it. They, they don't they don't have a they don't have a mandate to collect it. Uh, so and we really appreciate your work here and, and uh, really commend you on, on what you've done. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. There's more on the analysis at risk.lexisnexis.com. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. More information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, Wherever you turn to for podcasts, really, you can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching, and please stay safe. And have a great evening, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>